Hear that podcast growling. Mean and angry. Hear that co-host shouting. It's Dirt and Jay. All right, welcome into the latest edition to hear that podcast growling. Paul Andrew Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are here and excited to be with you on a Tuesday morning. Jay. How are we doing? Are we revived yet? I am. I caught up on my sleep. I, I didn't make it to the end of the, the Raiders-Chiefs game last night. I guess I missed a pretty good ending. Um, yeah, but yesterday was a rough travel day. We're working on three hours sleep, but it's yeah, back to normal one day later. Yeah, you know, I, I was trying to judge who was better off because we had the two different ways that you can <laughs> approach it, where you end up with on one side, you get no sleep, but you're back early, you knock out some of the work, and you can catch up when you're back at home. On the other side, you're basically stuck in Baltimore all day. You had the early flight. Right. I had a flight at 5, uh, and you're stuck in Baltimore all day. You finally get home, and you don't feel like you really did anything. I couldn't make it down to locker room or to Zach and just kind of work from afar watching the stream and doing some other research stuff. So it's like, I don't know, you had to go through a day of complete hell, but I felt very stranded yesterday. So it was two different feelings, but here we are, both back on the podcast, ready to start anew and and open up what I'm going to, I mean, it's a therapy session, Jay. Yeah. Like we, we, we've, we've had a couple of, uh, this is our second podcast since this, we've had a few of these this year where we always say, you know, it's part entertainment, part therapy, part fun, you know. Part informative. I think we're, we're leaning he- going to be leaning heavy into the therapy for people today. Yeah, there's there's a lot of pe- people need it. I mean, people need anger management is what they need. I mean, it's <laughs> they are it, sometimes. Yeah, and I don't want to make light of suicide. You, you use that phrase on the ledge when things go bad. That's not what this is. People are up in arms. It's pitchforks and torches and um, let's get Zach Taylor. And I it, I just think people need to take a step back and yes. No one's going to agree that those were very good decisions, but it's not rip up everything you've known and have done and throw in a new play caller who, oh, by the way, has never done it in his career either. All right, all right, all right. Go jump. You're jumping in early. You're trying to jump in early, Jay. We'll get there, everybody. We're going to get there. Okay, we've got a lot to get to today. Uh, (laughs) Jay, you're antsy. You're ready. You're ready to go. Uh First of all, uh, shout out to the Bengal Boys dropping yes. some new opening music for us, the kids' version, the Muppets' version. I appreciate that. There's going to be more of those to come. So shout out to the Bengal Boys. And if you're not following them on Twitter, uh, you should be. Uh, and so good to have them back with some new stuff for us. Um, we'll get into news. We're going to talk all about the offense and play calling and philosophy and scheme and all the stuff that we want to talk about. We're going to talk about goal to go. We're going to talk about the Philly special again, a little bit more in depth into that. You're going to hear from Zach Taylor on being questioned on play calling. You're going to hear from Brian Callahan on play calling and the, the procedure of how that works. Tyler board is going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about his lack of usage. All that stuff is going to be part of that. Uh, Mo Eger is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about expectations of this team. Have they changed? We've got our Arby's of course, your questions. Thanks Everybody that is watching on the live stream, good to have you here with us. If you have questions that you'd like us to get to here at the end of the podcast for the Q&A section, just drop them in there and we'll try to come back and pluck a few out. I've already got a couple in here, so excited about that. We'll recap our run passer boots and uh, Growler Bets news, Jay. Um, Jonah Williams, who 
gritted out uh, the game on Sunday night. He looked rough in the locker room after the game, trying to walk around back. And I thought, man, if he was playing through that, he only missed six snaps. Uh, he had his best game of the year, by the way. Uh, but he has an MCL. They, the day-to-day was the usage on that. I don't know. They, we said kind of before, I don't know if he's going to be able to look, if he's looking like that, how he's going to feel this week. I, I imagine um, we'll see as it goes throughout the week, but it didn't sound super promising with him. No, and I didn't see him in the locker room Sunday night, uh, but yesterday he still looked rough. He was not bending in that knee. You know, he's doing the straight leg walk very slow. Um, obviously, and Zach said he, he is in quite a bit of pain. Um, it's it's not structurally, it's not a, a matter of can't play, but that's that's a tough ask to go out there and play left tackle when you're you're in that much discomfort. So it'll he'll he'll be Zach said day to day. He has no idea yet what the practice schedule is going to look like this week. Um, but I, I I would lean more towards him not playing than playing Sunday against the Saints. Yeah, but early to say on that, right. so we'll see. We've seen crazier things. Um, T. Higgins, you know, sprained angle, getting the same day-to-day mm-hmm. type stuff. Obviously, he tried to play through it this past weekend and couldn't, so I think that tells you a little bit about where that's at, that he's he's fighting it pretty hard right now. We'll see if another week is enough for him to go out there and play against New Orleans turf uh, in the Superdome, so that makes it a little bit harder. Yeah, and he – he he said that he got rolled up on. I, I I still haven't seen it on on the film. Um, there was there was some plays early in the game where he wasn't really firing off the line like like you're used to seeing, but they were run plays and, and the the pass plays where he was actually going out on routes. He looked pretty good. So it'll just be a matter of how much more damage or discomfort there was after he got rolled up on and it eventually forced him out of the game. But it was kind of telling that that he never changed into street clothes. He stayed on the sideline in uniform, hoping uh, that there there would be a chance to get back in there. But again, it's it's one of those things where you don't you don't want to sacrifice the immediate for for long term and, and they're gonna need him. It's it, you still have twelve games left and um I thought Mike Thomas played pretty well in Higgins' absence, so I, I wouldn't. I, again, I wouldn't be surprised to see him miss Sunday. Still too early. We'll see how they develop in practice this week, but the outlook doesn't look good for either of those guys. Yeah, I, we don't. I mean, I don't want to. We don't, especially with T. The fact that he tried to get through the game, right. we don't know. We'll see. We, we without seeing a single practice participation report mm. or him out there at all. We we just there's no way to know on stuff like that. So we'll see, and they don't know either. Yet. Right. Um. Let's go to let's get into the topic of the day here. Um, everybody wants to talk about play calling. Uh, everyone's screaming about play calling, and everyone is very mad about the scheme and the calls and everything that happened at the goal line. And understandable, the stuff that happened in the goal to go situation, those four plays that I wrote about after the game um, in great detail um, were disastrous. They sunk the win. It's hard to. I, I mean. I don't. It's hard to see a scenario where they lose that game if they just punch it in. And I think the tone of everything is very different. You would have talked about them putting the long drives together. Mm-hmm. You know, having outside of the interception four straight scoring. You know, drives that went down the field after the slow start. We'd still be using the word clunky, right? Like the same way we did after Miami. Um, and the up and down nature of it, but it, it, it would have been in a winning effort if you just finish out a drive, but instead you have that those disastrous four plays and you take the L at the end. 
So that's how skinny the difference can be, right? Hmm. Um, let's start with this. Everyone's yelling. Zach Taylor needs to give up play calling. It's what everyone loves to yell. Um, so, and this is not me demeaning it. It's a real topic. So, and uh, he was asked at Joe Daneman, Fox 19, uh, did ask directly about play calling. Here's Zach Taylor addressing that. Zach, you've always been progressive in the idea that if something's not working, that this coaching staff won't be stubborn about something. Um, has it ever been brought up in, in meetings where the staff play calling, uh, allowing somebody else to play call to, to jumpstart the offense a little bit? Has that been broached so far this year? Uh, you know, it's, it's collective on the headset every play. So whether it's coming out of my mouth or somebody else's, it, it all gets the same um, end result. You know, we, we communicate every play. Uh, Brian and I, Frank, Pitch, Troy, James, everybody's in there, Justin. Um, we talk through it after every single series. And, you know, it's. I thought we started really fast the last two weeks. We scored in the first possession. So it's always going to be if you don't score early, you didn't start fast. If you do score early, you started fast. And, and there's been times that we've done both. Um, I wish that we scored seven points on the opening drive every single week. It just hasn't been that way yet. Um, we saw Buffalo score zero points against these guys, you know, up until that two-minute drive last week. So we knew that these guys had really started fast on defense. We knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, we just weren't efficient enough on those first two plays or really those first four drives to, to get us jump started there. That was disappointing that it worked out that way. How would you evaluate the play call in the first five um, It's a work in progress to make sure we get as many points as we need. Looking back, it's something we worked on all week, you know, so that's that's what we do when we game plan and, and we try to find plays that are going to attack that defensive structure down there in the low red. Um, it's not just something we make up on the sidelines. It's something we've worked on and studied and um, we've run it twice before. Uh, once we got stopped in the inch yard line to Hayden, uh, once TB scored and we got called back and this one just didn't work. All right. Um, we We hear from Zach Taylor there. Um, and he's talking about the collective, right? Um, I think there's, I think there's this idea that fans have that if Zach Taylor gives up play calling, that it is going to look dramatically different. And that's just not the case. I don't think they understand how much it really is that way. How much? And I, I mean. I, I hate talking about this because I know fans are mad about the scheme and everything that's happening, and that's all valid. Nobody's trying to talk down about any of it at all. I'm only thing I'm trying to say is I don't think the difference would be as much as people want it to be. That's always the case in these situations whenever any kind of play calling change ever really happens. It and it you know what it is, Jay. The play caller change is the rearranging of the deck chairs on the Titanic while it's going down. That means your ship is sinking. Okay? I don't think this ship is sinking yet. I don't think this ship is sinking. But the idea that it's time to go to crazy drastic measures, I don't I don't think that's it yet. Examples that we have, and sorry I'm kind of droning on, and I know you're itching, Jay. <laughs> uh, but... You know, we talk about sometimes this has happened. The example that everyone will point to is the success. Um, what, what's happened with Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia and Shane Steichen has taken over there, and and you also you have 
you know, Brian Brian Dabble decided not to be the play caller with the Giants. Um, and they're obviously doing well and, and, you know, has delegated that to Kafka. Um, but, you know, so Matt Nagy to Bill Lazor. Mike McCarthy in 2015 said, I will never do that again after doing it once the previous year. Interim Daryl Bevel to Brian Schottenheimer with the Jags last year. Andy Reid had to do it in 2017 when he had Alex Smith. You know, Andy Reid, genius, right? I mean, I just... It's not that they can't do it. It's that I just don't think it's going to make much of a difference. I don't think you're going to see much of a difference if they, even if they did do it. I, I agree. I, I agree with what he's saying. I don't think he's lying. That it is something that they all are kind of going through that together as they go by. It. So the thing is, I, I, one of the things people were most up in arms about after that quote, that comment yesterday about the collaboration was um, where he says every play. And that he didn't mean that they are having discussions on the headset every play about what to call next. He meant every play is talked about, but it's a it's at the end of the series and, and they talk as a group over what's working well. What do they want to do on the next series? Um, so So that's where that comes from. The the other thing about you're right, it's not going to look different if they make a change because they've how often have they talked? And we know from talking to on the record, off the record conversations with Brian and Zach that they see football very much the same way. They their philosophy is very much the same. It, you're not going to see a huge change if if Zach passes it off to Brian. I think a lot of times when a change like this is made, it's not to jumpstart the play calling. It's to fix the other issues where you don't want the head coach to have so much on his plate and, and he's failing in, in game management situations and other things. And I don't, I don't think Zach has been that bad, bad at all in, in play calling and decision, or I'm sorry, in decision-making and game management, that type of stuff. I think they do a really good job of following the analytics Going for it when when they should go for it. I, I looked it up. They they have gone for it on fourth down the tenth most times in the league uh, since Zach got here, and their success rate is fifth most in the league. I mean, how can you how can you complain about that? There's going to be individual moments where you say, "Oh, they should have kicked it here. They should have gone for it here." That's going to happen on every any time a play doesn't work. You're going to have people saying that that there's going to be the second guessing and the hand wringing and all that. But I, I don't think that's been an issue for Zach. So it's, it just, it, it doesn't feel like this, this imminent disaster where they have to make a change for the sake of change. And if a change were to be made again, it's not going to look different. I just think people get, get so upset and rightfully so there's a lot of passion fans have tons of passion they have money on these games they, they get mad when things don't go well um but i i i just i think everybody needs to take a breath and and not look at this as as the impending doom that so many people see it as that this was it was one series um zach is the, the curious thing is zach has been pretty open and honest in the past about saying I screwed up there, and it, it has he hasn't so much on this one. He, he it was he was blaming more the execution of those plays. Um, so that that's maybe a 
a change from what we've seen in the past. It'd be interesting to see, you know, if, if it could go back and if he had it to do over again, what would they do? I know a lot of people are like, you have to run the ball there. And they, they tried that against Miami and it didn't work. And the other, the other talking point that you hear from so many people is, but they had the run game going. They, they Mixon was going in this game. Why not run it? And I, I think what people forget is they had the run game going against the light box, which is what we've hammered them on forever. Goal line situations is not a light box. I don't think they have great confidence in this offensive line to move people in situations where they know they're going to run. And I just think that was a big part of it. That was, that was a, a big part of, and Brian talked about this, the, the shovel pass. Why Stanley Morgan? And he was in there because everybody knows the tendencies. When Stanley Morgan's in there, a run's coming. And it was more of a deception thing um, to, to make the Ravens think that a run was coming with Stanley Morgan in there. And, of course, that play blew up spectacularly, too. There's just – I, I don't think that – you're right, that the, it is an issue, but I don't think it's it's something that they can't survive and overcome. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. You mentioned uh, impending doom. I think if if doom is impending, it's impending either way. This is my point. I, whoever is the one saying the plays, uh, that the the collective nature. I I don't disagree with that. I do think the way it, we're we're not talking about somebody who gets lost. It during the game, you're having your problems are with the overall scheme if you have one, mm-hmm. and if it succeeds, that will be the reason. You know that will be the reason why it happened, and if it fails, then that will be the reason why it happened. Will be the whole thing. I, it's not a matter of you know the order. It's those plays are all in place well before the game starts. On there, there's a sheet. Goal to go. What are we gonna do? Here's the ones we like. Like in these situations, these are the ones we like. We're going to go to these. These are our options that we want to do. They went to them, right? You mentioned goal to go. I want to. I want to make sure we talk about this real quick. And in a few minutes, we'll before we get to Mo. Um, so people are hammering them for the mix and thing, and and yeah, like you would have thought the way they were now running it. Um, they they would have given it a shot, and that's fair. You were, but it is different. Coming into that game, they had 15 snaps taken inside of the four. Four in. 15 snaps. By the way, they have the most go-to-go snaps in the NFL this year, which Bengals fans are like, I know. Because <laughs> they well keep failing. <laughs> of how many times they've had to watch this team run plays inside of the four. Okay. But so you're you're talking about a team that has had all these plays from inside the four with with goal to go specifically 19 of those which is second most to Kansas City. They have just three touchdowns. Uh prior to Baltimore they were 2 for 15. How many of those do you think were mix and runs of those 15, Jay? Six. Seven. Close. Okay. You know how many have gotten in the end zone. Zero. <laughs> oh for seven. So you're plan you're you're planning for this game. Okay? You're putting together your goal to go. You have Joe Mixon O oh for seven when they try to hand it to him inside of the four. 
We saw him run into Lael Collins' back on one that appeared wide open uh, in, in against Miami. This has just been over and over again. It's not working. Yes, it does appear that you're finding a little bit more room out in space against Baltimore. And I, I still think a mix and run should have been in there. I'm certainly doing that before I'm doing Philly Special or shovel pass to Stanley Morgan or any of that stuff. But let's not act like handing it to Joe Mixon has been the fix. <laughs> okay. 0 for 7, folks. Okay. Hadn't worked once. Trying something new. You know, so I, I I would have liked to have seen a shot given to it there. But, you know, this is the thing that people were yelling at them to stop doing. Okay. And to be creative. Now, I'm not saying these plays were creative good. But it, it, all those words that people love to throw around. But, like, it's none of it's been working. So it's is it the play call? Is it the whole thing? I, I don't know. But the idea of if they just would have handed it to Joe Mixon, you know, they were trying something different because they were 0 for 7. And, yeah, I very close to 0 for 8 if because the you went to four-yard line. He, he scored on the five-yard run against Miami, and that took all of the offensive linemen after missing their blocks and Joe getting stood up to turn around and then push Joe from behind and get him over the line of scrimmage. Or over the goal line, and then if you remember the the goal line play where they took the lead, the the Joe Burrow one yard sneak, they had Mitch Wilcox not even in a fullback position, basically one step behind Joe Burrow to grab him by the hips and push him into the end zone. It's just they're they're not they're not getting the push they need in obvious run situations, and yeah, I mean it's. It's easy to say you have to run the ball down there, but but we've seen it. I mean, ha- had they ran Joe and not scored there, you'd have the same people doing the same screaming that they've been doing this all along and it hasn't worked. Try something new. It's it's all about the end result, I think, yeah. and, and and people just want to complain uh, when it doesn't work. Regardless, it doesn't matter. They could have done what people were screaming for and it wouldn't have worked and they would have screamed in the other direction. It's just, it's just, I, I get it. People get really upset when these things don't work, but there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to the complaints that it's just, if, if do they something score, that works, I think that's a fair complaint. Do something that works because they have had a lot of chances to get the ball in the damn end zone down there and can't seem to figure out any way to do it. I mean, you know that I think that I think the overall concept of that is figure it out. Right? Yeah. Figure it out. Uh, because they're, whatever is going on ain't ain't it. All right. Now is that time we bring in our good friend Mo Egger from ESPN 1530. What's up, buddy? How we doing, guys? Doing good. How are you? Doing awesome. Uh, plenty of content for your uh, show at <laughs> Twin Peaks and Florence yesterday. How, how's, how's, that, how's, that, how's that go? Uh, it's less festive than it was last year. Let's just say that yeah. the uh, <laughs> the natives are restless, and I, I consider myself to be a native. Yes, very <laughs> restless. I, I understand that. Uh, let's let's get the tweet meter uh, up. What do we got going on with the tweets, Jay? Strong, strong week for Mo. 176 tweets. Wow. Uh, most liked tweet. Reds fans deserve better. I think we would all agree with that. Correct. Uh, most talked about tweet. The game was too close to not take the points on the critical fourth and goal. Mm. 
Ooh, mm. that is a talker right there. Well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you still feel that way? Felt that way in the moment? Felt that way afterwards? I, I felt that way in the moment. Um, I, I did. In fact, watching the game with with a buddy of mine. When they ran the third down play where Chase got to the two, I kind of said out loud, I wish that play, I wish he would have been tackled at the six hmm. or at the five or something that would have made the decision a little bit more clear for Zach Taylor. Heck, maybe he still would have gone for it. I just, I am as pro go for it as you'll find. I, I love aggressive coaching. And I also understand if you want aggressive coaching. And I remember talking about this in Zach Taylor's first game against Seattle. Um, how aggressive he was, right? We That was like the big takeaway. Boy, he's aggressive. They lost the game, but he's aggressive. Okay, that's going to come at times with, that's going to come with moments where he's maybe a little bit too aggressive for your liking. And I can understand his rationalization, which was, we're, we're going to try to deliver a knockout blow. Let's go up a touchdown. I trust our defense. We're not going to give up more than a field goal. We'll get the ball back. We can score again and add to our lead, all that. To me, though, um, a drive that long, a drive of that length, you've got to come away with points. The game was low scoring enough. There were so few possessions in that game. It was likely to come down to a kick. I mean, Chris Collinsworth um, you know, even said on the TV broadcast right around that time, he's like, I just I get the sense this game's going to come down to a kick. And so I, I do understand. Score the touchdown and avoid that. But if you don't come away with points as well as this defense has played, that to me is so demoralizing. I would rather, for as bad as they were at the beginning of the game, falling behind by 10 points, it's late third quarter. Let's get the equalizer. Let's put our defense on the field, uh, and and let's go from there. I, I just, in that moment, I wanted them to take the points. Now, that said, and I'm sure this will come as a surprise to uh, neither of you, uh, it's one thing to go for it. It's another thing to go for it if your go-to play is a <laughs> shovel pass to a guy who never gets offensive snaps. And that's my bigger issue. More than just going for it. If you go for it and and you run a play for your best guy, that's easy to swallow. If you go for it and you run a shovel pass, and my, my thoughts on the shovel pass are well-documented. Well-documented. Uh, <laughs> and you run one to a, a guy who's on the team because of what he does on special teams, what are we doing? And what that's the bigger doing? issue than merely uh, trying for the touchdown instead of settling for the, the field goal. Well, with that decision, I think that's the point, isn't it? It's that what are the percentage? Because you're, you're, you're playing the numbers game, right? So let's play the numbers game. What are the percentages of a Stanley Morgan shovel pass working? I know what the numbers are in your head, Mo, uh, and they're not good in reality either. And the, and I'm, I don't know if you were on uh, before when I was running through some of the goal-to-go stats, but you have a team that has run previous to that play, I think it would, at that point it would have been 17 plays inside the four-yard line. Mm-hmm. and scored on two of them prior to that play all year. So there's some percentages for you as well to put up against the percentages of kicking the field goal. It's I didn't have a problem with, again, like you said, the situation. But if you would have told me at that point in time you were choosing between three points and a shovel pass to Stanley Morgan, that's not a, that's not a decision. That's That's an easy kick. I couldn't believe they did it. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I honest to God, I, I couldn't believe I, I sat there mouth agape, like 
is is Zach Taylor trolling me? Yeah, that's like, honestly all that my first thought. I thought this felt personal. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I would have preferred take the points. I understand not. I really do. And I want Zach to coach aggressively and with aggressiveness. Sometimes there's going to be, for my liking, a moment where he crosses the line. I can handle that. Boy, if if you're trying to get the ball to Jamar Chase, I'm in, man. Hell, even if if the dynamic of, of running the football changes inside the five as opposed to the rest of the field, if you try Joe Mixon – wouldn't love it, but but I I can live with that. If 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 you do something that has Joe Burrow actually throwing a real football pass, like the kind we all practiced in the backyard when we were kids, fine. A shovel pass to Stanley Morgan. Uh, yeah. I, I I'm sorry, man. I just I, the the words that came out of my mouth, I I cannot utter on the radio, <laughs> and I I will not I will not do that to you or your audience either. But I I couldn't believe they did it. I couldn't believe they did it. I mean, my first thought was, did they forget what down it was? That looked like a third down play. I mean, the yeah. whole point of the shovel pass, right, is if it goes wrong, if it gets blown up, it's not a fumble, it's an incomplete, you move on to the next play. That's not a fourth down play. And, yeah, you can say what you want. Stanley Morgan being the target, that's an issue too. And we kind of talked about this before. It was all about the deception that they thought it would be a run play. But that that's what surprised me is to, to go for – a shovel pass there on the gotta have it fourth down. I, I, I also thought so many times it gets lost that it's not just faith in your offense beating their defense, but it's faith in your defense bailing you out. If you don't get the the touchdown mm-hmm. there and the way that defense had played, you're going to have the Ravens backed up on your own two or on their own two. that. I, I think that played a, another big role in the decision to go for it there. But I just, the, the actual play call of the shovel pass was was maybe the, the thing that I had the, the biggest issue with. There should be some sort of quota where you get in goal to go, you get one trick play. It's either uh-huh. the Philly special or it's the shovel pass. It, two of your four plays can't be not, not trick plays. I won't call a shovel play a trick play, but plays that you don't typically run. Well, to me, what it was, it was two plays that removed the most important variable in this franchise, which is letting Joe Burrow throw passes. And Joe mm-hmm. didn't play well on Sunday night. I think most of us understand that. But, and and I I put that on on Twitter. To me, that's what you do in Brandon Allen's your quarterback. No knock on Brandon, but like, I, I love the first down play call. By the way, I I love that yes. play call. I mm-hmm. I I I think one of the things that drives me nuts in this sport <clears throat> is when teams are a little bit too married to hey, it's first and goal. Let's call a running play, right? Because there's no light box on the goal line. There's, there's, it's what I hate about the shovel pass, right? There's so much traffic there. Let's throw it to where guys aren't. So I love that play call. It didn't work. Okay, fine. Um, but you're having Tyler Boyd throw a pass on a failed Philly special. Failed, by the way, with a P and an H. Uh, and then you're having Joe Burrow throw a shovel pass. That's To me, that's what you do when you have a nickel-dime quarterback. They don't. They have a half-billion-dollar quarterback. All right, let's just take a quick break. So much of they've talked about their successful red zone plays have been Joe Burrow getting off script and making plays, and we've seen that happen over and over again, and there was never any opportunity for Joe Burrow to do that the entire time, and and, and on, on top of Mixon or whatever, all of that, all of this stuff that, and and we can we can debate it, but I think I think it's overthinking it, and and Zach Taylor has conf- 
has admitted that he's gone that way before. When you're overthinking it to the level that you think Marcus Peters or Calais Campbell is like, oh, there's Stanley Morgan. He's my key to a run, so I'm not going to – like. I just – I think you're giving him too much credit. Don't you know? The, I think that I think it just needs to be about just go in there and do what you do best. And I, I don't, I don't know what they do best around the goal line right now because none of it has been working. I mean, you know, mixing over seven, they they've failed in every way you could possibly imagine down near there on multiple massive spots that have now cost them two games essentially. Um, so I don't know, but. It's again. It's the it's the figure it out is the end of it. It, it. Maybe it's not fair. I watched the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. Okay, Travis Kelsey, who's going to the Hall of Fame. So okay, t- take that uh, with however you want. But he scored four touchdowns last night. <clears throat> it's not like he caught uh, twelve passes for one hundred and sixty yards. He had twenty five yards receiving. They got inside the fifteen. They got inside the ten. And they figured out a way to get the ball to their best guy. They did try a shovel pass, but it was at least to Travis Kelsey. Um, and, you know, I mean, the question was even asked. Everybody in the building knows in that situation, Travis Kelsey is getting the ball. And again, he's elite. The, the Bengals do not have yet a Travis Kelsey type of player. But they're, they're not bringing a gunner in from the punt team and go, <laughs> Eric Bieniemy and, and Andy Reid on the sideline. Well, wait, oh. Wait till the Raiders get a load. We're going to bring this guy off the extra point squad, and we're going to – no. We've got Travis Kelsey. He's going to Canton. Let's figure out a way to get him the ball close to the end zone. And they did. So, I mean, I watched that last night going – and, again, it's – I hate the shovel pass. I don't understand how when Stanley Morgan's surrounded by four dudes, you flip him the ball, but but but, but okay. Uh, I could live with that a hell of a lot more if it's Jamar Chase. He's pretty good. I mean, I know he had a hard time getting open the other night, but Jamar Chase or any one of their like main dudes who is is going to have a hell of a lot more to say about where this offense goes and where this team goes than than Stanley Morgan. That it was unnecessary. It was too cute. It was the sort of thing you do. I mean, that's a garbage time play. That's a that's an August play. That's not first places on the line in prime time against a divisional rival. Tight game, third quarter. A shovel pass to Stanley Morgan? I mean, I, I legitimately was speechless on Sunday night when that yes. happened. And then well, when word I, I started coming I out, it wasn't you, good. I, I under with the understanding that you were, it was going to be impossible to be speechless of it until another it, this, game played. I you, totally you, understand. I don't. I don't want to. Pl- I don't want to take you down that road any further, Mo. I don't want to. Well, I, I was gonna. I drew a diagram of why I hate the shovel pass <laughs> because I get this all the time, and so yeah. you guys are on YouTube. And you see, here's the reason. See, like this is the this would be the the box. Yeah, a shovel pass involves taking a person. I'm I'm having a hard time doing this. No, taking a person it. from <laughs> like where there's nobody. Yeah, and running them right into traffic. Into the and people. then yes. flipping them the ball. Correct. If you people. showed this to somebody who knew nothing about football and said, here's the play we're going to run close to the goal line when we have a chance to score, they would say, why are you doing that? So I mean, this is my first ever. <laughs> I wish I had a whiteboard yeah. or a telestrator. No, it, I think that it's much better. It's more fitting. There's, you, it's there's your all brand. these people here. Why would yeah. you take someone from where there's – and I know on the play, Morgan lined up sort of like a tight end. Why, why would you take somebody and run them where there's all these people when there's not a lot of room to, to maneuver and, and flip them the ball? Why? 
on what planet does that make sense? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's see. <laughs> I think you found your new Twitter avatar. That's it. Yeah. You throwing. <laughs> Screen grab that for me. Yes, we will do. Uh, so, all right. Let's get the best bets. Let's just let's just let's let's move this forward. Uh, Jay, how do we do last week? I know I know one part of how I did and it didn't go well. Uh, yeah, I went over two. I went Bengals Ravens over forty eight point five. Did not win that. Also took the Cardinals money line against the Eagles. Did not win that. Uh, so I took a bath. Uh, Paul, yes, uh, you took Bengals plus three and that hit. Um, but you took Jaguars minus six point five. They're so uh, jaggy. They're killing me. Ten units each, so you broke even for the week. Um, and Mo went under 48.5 on Bengals Ravens and hit that and now has four pending future bets because he also <laughs> took Mike Tomlin being the first having his first losing season, which I've decided we're just going to call that even money. He was one and three yeah. when he made the bet. I just or the pick. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm just going to put that as an even money prop. I did lose my Mike McCarthy prop. I had him to be the first coach fired. Oh, you're right. I got to grade that. X yes. that out. Take that out. Um, all right, so what do we got for this week? Uh, Mo, you kick it off. I'm going to go Hayden Hurst anytime touchdown. They're targeting him a lot. They targeted him at the goal line. M- maybe they maybe they throw a shovel pass. I, I don't know. I'm going to go Hayden <laughs> Hurst anytime touchdown against uh, the uh, New Orleans Saints. Who knows what the status of T. Higgins is going to be uh, moving forward. And so I-, I would stop short of saying there's great chemistry developing between Joe and Hayden because Hayden made a couple of plays in which Joe – threw the ball to him like he was nine feet tall. But uh, there's been a pretty fair amount of targets to him. Um, they're searching for answers close to the goal line. They threw the ball to him on first down close to the goal line on Sunday. I'm going to say that pays off. I'm going to go $10, Hayden Hurst, anytime touchdown. And I would implore you to find something else to watch on Thursday. But we have a Commanders-Bears prime time game <laughs> on Thursday night. I think there's some baseball playoff games on. I yes. think there's things like you're allowed to leave your house and go do something else. If you watched Broncos Colts and hated yourself when you went to bed on Thursday, you know in advance this could be worse. This could be this might be the worst NFL game of the season. All right. Commanders Bears. Uh the number is 40. I'm gonna go ten dollars on the under. I might go under if it was 20. Uh Carson Wentz versus Justin Fields. Um, two like flagship franchises that just seem to be completely uh, drifting aimlessly uh, on Amazon Prime. I might tune in for the post game show because Richard Sherman will probably eviscerate these teams like he did Russell Wilson last week. Uh, but Commanders Bears minus forty. Uh, I'm going to go under forty points on Thursday night for ten dollars. Do you have a do you have a line on Hurst anytime TD? Did you did you see what that I, is? I looked hard and and I I, okay. I did not. Um, it'll, it'll turn up. We'll find that'll it. turn yeah, up. But yeah, yeah, I'll look I, that up. I like that one. All right, all right. I'm gonna. Uh, everybody's gonna be what saying? What the hell are you thinking? But I'm for my Bengals bet. I'm going mixing over 0.5 rushing TDs. <laughs> I just mm. think. They're going to give him one. If if they get down there again, goal to go, he's going to get carries. And I just I, – I think it's likely. Um, so I'm going to go $10 on that. My non-Bengals one is I, – I wish I could track this somehow. But I guarantee if all you ever did was place a wager 
on a team in their first game after firing their coach, you would come out way ahead. There's just it's that it's that <laughs> the new, dead cat bounce. You're stealing yes. my bet, Jay. Yes. So I'm going oh. Panthers plus ten and a half against the Rams. I like dead cat bounce. I love that. Dead cat bounce, literally this time. Well, I have the same. I know I feel stupid about it. Uh, I have. I, I saw it at nine, but you, whatever you've got it at, I'll take that. I'll take it ten and a half. Yeah, uh, I'll take whatever wherever you said you got that at. So I'll. I have that half on that, and I have on uh, uh, Bengals covering against the Saints, though they're half point favorite. Um, Saints have allowed at least twenty to every team that they've played this year. Defense has not allowed the Bengals. Defense has not allowed twenty yet. Uh, themselves, uh, the Steelers had 23, but that included a pick six. Um, and coming off a coming off a loss in Baltimore, Burrow homecoming, I, I feel momentum and the swing back in their direction. So uh, I've got the Bengals on the cover for the other half. Uh, Mo, it's been a pleasure. I will see you down at the uh, Moreland Logger House from three to four. Um, you want me to bring my uh, pad? Of, yeah, of could plays? you bring the pad? I, maybe I can bring a pad too, and we can kind of we can we can try to draw up some plays with yeah. each other. That that sounds like a good idea. But if, draw up shovel passes. Yeah, did you throw that just to the ground, or do you have an incinerator next to you that it went into? It actually landed on my daughter's trampoline. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> the dead play know. bounce. That's right. Yeah. Dead She's play bounce. Look, look at you go, though. Jay. Off yeah. the top of your head. You know what? Let's, right. let's ask her to draw up a play. It'll be more effective <laughs> than a stupid shovel pass. All right. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Before, talk to you later, Mo. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Oh, man. Okay. I knew it was going to go that way. I wasn't yeah. even trying to talk about it. <laughs> I was going to not. I was going to see how long we could get until he, until it had to end up there. His at Mo Egger. Uh, was the first thing I typed after the shovel pass happened mm. into my Twitter account. Just uh, to type a tweet that had to have him added in it. It's like I can't, that just felt so personal for him. It felt so personal, just directed right at his gut for no apparent reason. So let's uh, let's dive in. Jay, you're, you've got a story, your work on, on, on Tyler Boyd. And, um, you know, we haven't seen near the involvement uh, of Tyler Boyd this year, I think that was anticipated or that's really on pace for what he has done as for a, for a year over year uh, last year through the first five games, uh, Tyler Boyd had 27 receptions uh, on 35 targets for 283 yards and a touchdown uh, this year. He has 15 receptions for 234 yards and two touchdowns on 23 targets. So his usage is certainly way down. Um, you know, he's got last year, I mean, he had three games with five or fewer targets. Now they all but one has had five or fewer targets, you know, and then obviously you see these long stretches uh, like on Sunday where he's just not a factor. I mean, you have had full halves where both him and T Higgins at times are not even getting a ball looked in their direction. And you would think as teams play these over the top coverages, your underneath guys would be a part of the solution. Um, why have they not? Why has he not been? What is happening and what's his opinion on it, Jay? Yeah. Well, I mean, he's why they've not been is they're They're not, it, again, it goes back to play calling that, that Zach and Brian 
the group are, are not calling plays specifically designed for Tyler Boyd. They're, he's getting his targets when Joe gets into the second, third, however many progressions he needs to go to to get to Tyler Boyd. And we we know that he doesn't often have time to go through all of those progressions. And you mentioned it, uh, 23 targets, 15 catches. That's that's tied for his lowest since his rookie year when he had these exact same numbers, 15 catches on 23 targets. Now, his second year, it was lower than that, but he, he was inactive for five of the first nine games. You just kind of throw that year out. Um, Tyler, it was interesting. He didn't talk after the game Sunday night. And that's, that's not like him. He, he, I can't remember any other time that he's turned down, uh, interview requests. Now he did talk yesterday and, and he, he said that he's, there's nothing that from what he's seen that, that he can do to, to make himself more available for Joe. It's just a matter. He trusts Joe to go to the, to put the ball where it's designed to go. But that that's the issue is that it's designed to go elsewhere too often. And I, I looked is that up. What, I mean, is that what TB said that? Or no, 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 no. That's, that's me. That's me okay, that's uh, editorializing there. Yes. Good, good, good call. Um, it's you, you look at. Well, two things. Number one, it, it it's it's been a topic uh, in my mind all year, but it was really glaring Sunday night because you had T. Higgins out, and you figured, okay, this this creates more opportunity for Tyler Boyd. And it was the opposite; they were so busy moving Jamar Chase around uh, to to f- try to free him up and putting him in the slot more often that it put Tyler out into some more unfamiliar positions, and it just it didn't work that way. He he had one catch beyond the line of scrimmage. He had three catches; two of them. Were, were screens um, that he a six and an eight yard gain, and then the, the one that he had that was a, a, a big catch was the eighteen yarder up the seam that set up the field goal right before half. Um, so much of what he specializes in and always has is moving the chains on third down, and I just I, I found it interesting. Zach was talking about how this offense doesn't get in a rhythm that when. When they do get a first down, they they do pretty well. They get that first first down of the drive, and they usually end up going down and getting points. Um, it's twenty out of thirty three drives that that happens. It, but there's just too many three and outs, and it would seem to me that get Tyler Boyd the ball on third down. He is your your guy, the 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 chain mover, the possession guy, and all this talk about the. The two high safeties and how they're taking away the deep ball. I, I just don't understand why they they're not letting t- TB operate more underneath, out of the slot, um, and the proverbial take what the defense is giving you type of thing. And I, I looked it up since he came in the league. He has 123 third down re- receptions. That's tied for eighth most in the league over that time span. More than 80 of them went for first downs. His 99 first downs are tied for, or that ranks ninth in the league over that time span. That this is his specialty, and and so yeah, I, I get it. Where you have now Jamar Chase and T Higgins are these elite guys, and you want to feed them more often. But they have totally, they have flipped it. Jamar Chase is the third down guy now. He's been targeted 15 times on third down. That's one shy of the league lead. I, I just, I it feels like there needs to be more of a balance there. They need to go back. To, uh, I'm not saying get the ball to Tyler Boyd all the time and get him more involved that way, but but third down is where he specializes, and, and they've just 
it seems like they've gone away from him on third down and it's it's getting into that old force the ball into AJ Green thing that we saw when it was Andy Dalton here and now it's Joe Burrow just relying too much on Jamar Chase on those third downs we talked about this the moment that Burrow said I need to get the ball to Chase more after that game mm-hmm. uh, it was the the first thought that came into my mind was no you don't mm-hmm. <laughs> do not do that that is what will kill this offense the the ability to spread it around and utilize everybody and not become predictable you know we're all yelling about predictability right I mean don't become shove the ball into Jamar Chase whenever you're in a big moment um and and I I think you can clearly see the passes that have moved from Boyd to Chase um and maybe they're you know I understand it in a way because you are looking to get explosives throwing the ball underneath. Jamar Chase is your best opportunity to do that. He's so good after the catch. He's so good at breaking a tackle and, and taking it wherever. And, and that's not as much Tyler Boyd's game. It can be, and we saw in the Jets. I mean, certainly he can make play uh, for you and, and, and go all the way. But that's Jamar Chase's game. So I get trying to throw underneath to Chase, but I, I do think, you know, you – his understanding of these zones, his understanding on how to get to the sticks, his ability to get you what you need to move the chains is so invaluable. And you're right, Jay. I mean, to, to see that shift on third downs, um, I think does think tells you a lot about what's going on with one of the most reliable guys. You know who liked this conversation, Jay? Who's Paul that? Malloy, our boy Paul Malloy yes, in England. Yes. Big Tyler Boyd guy. Been screaming about why aren't they getting the ball to Boyd more and sending us emails about it for weeks. And we're going to see him this weekend. He's coming to New Orleans. Uh, so I'm excited to hopefully see Paul this weekend. And we'll talk about this exact conversation with him, our guy. So um, so that, more on that coming, of course, uh, in Jay's story. Um, let's... Let's quickly drop. Let's do some Arby's time here, Jay. Okay, um, we got our uh, any related Bengals insights, extras, and stories. We got our our Baltimore trip has happened. You can kick us off. What do you got? So you know, two years of not being in the locker room, and it's it's crazy the kind of some of the things you forget. And, and I mentioned it earlier about seeing how sore Jonah was, and it. it it happened after the game too. Trey Hendrickson had this incredible gash on his shoulder blade, and and I asked him what happened, and he he said he had a scar there and a metal plate under it, and something happened that caused the the shoulder pads to to rip up that scar and cause this gash. It looked like he was going to need stitches. It was it's not the type of injury you typically see uh, from on a football field, especially in an area that's covered by pads it just you know it just kind of struck me it reminds you of how violent and physical this game can be I don't not that that totally goes away but just not being in the locker room the last two years and seeing these guys um I remember watching CJ Uzama go through that season where it seemed like every game it was a new injury and he just looked like he could barely move and then the next week he's out there again making plays it's just it's really remarkable what these guys go through uh to get ready week to week Man, you're right about that. Um, I want to talk about one I have here. So this was I was at the team hotel, um, and on Sunday, 
believe it was Sunday. Yeah, it was it was yeah. Sunday during the day. I think I was going down to have lunch and I hop on the elevator and I go down and it stops at like mez level or something like that on my way down to the lobby. Elevator opens and there's a card table and there is Joe Burrow, safety Mike Thomas, and Clay Johnston. The three of them sitting around just hanging out playing a card game. And then the elevator shuts and I go down. And I just thought, you know, we hear all the time and they talk all the time about how just Burrow can just talk to anybody. You know, here you have special teamer, you know, 43rd guy on the roster, Clay Johnson. I don't know where you would call it. Like, you know, back of the roster, young guy, you know, journeyman, Mike T, vet of all vets, journeyman, mm-hmm. you know, a leader. And there's Joe Burrow just kicking it with them, you know. And I think we talk all the time about, oh, Burrow, he's, he's just got a way of connecting with people and he, he can talk to anybody and there's a way that he connects to this locker room. Stuff like that. Just a, a literal glimpse. Like like mm-hmm. elevator opens, elevator closes. A literal glimpse of like there's, you know, a cross, a total cross section of the roster. You're, you're not surprised to see Burrow sitting around hanging out with Clay Johnston and safety Mike Thomas the same way. You know, or if it opened and you saw him with Jamar and TV or something like that. And I think just a little quick glimpse of kind of uh, some of what makes Joe Burrow great. Do you have any others? No, I just I think that's a great point because uh, Clay Johnston and Mike Thomas are frequent card table sitters in the locker yes. room. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> I, 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 I don't I don't want to I don't say Joe Burrow makes himself scarce during the open locker room period, but he's not hanging out like those guys are. And uh, I think he's aware that the media is in there and he's usually stay if he is in there, he's, he's staying in there his some. locker. I mean, he's he not is. in there. Enough. Yeah, I wouldn't say yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't say scarce. He's in there. So but, he's usually he's playing ping pong. <laughs> yeah, he's playing ping pong or he's at his locker and uh, he's not sitting over there at the card table. So I think that is uh, interesting to see that that's that's how they pass their time. I asked Zach about that. Um, what are the challenges? Why are road primetime games so tough to win? Is there an inherent disadvantage there? And he said, you know, maybe the crowd's a little louder because they've they've had all day to get pumped up. And I asked him about how do you pass the time in the hotel and during the day? And he says they they try to get them on their feet and move them around, but there's going to be those dead periods. And I I think that's that's a great glimpse at how these guys bond and especially the leader of the team to be sitting down with guys at the back of the roster doing that. Um, I have, I have one more and this is just an observation. Um, So yesterday I'm in the airport at BWI when Zach is doing his live stream and doing his press conference, which I was watching on the live stream. Uh, You were there. Um, and I don't, you know, get a chance. I don't watch on the live stream very often. It's happened periodically. If there's some reason I can't be there, um, so in this case, I'm watching it. And on the on the live stream, people can just drop in their comments or whatever, you know. And it's I I hate that press conferences have become these like shows, you know. Mm-hmm. Like it's it was never the. It's not what that setup is meant to be. It's not like supposed to be some production or some act, you know. But that's what it is now. That's it's fine. Um, to be able to drop in comments and just to watch the comments fly in of "You suck. You should be fired. Play calling. Play calling. Play calling. You're the worst." <laughs> I ask about. It. I mean, it was like 
Holy Moses. I mean, and I know that people are, it's the day after a bad loss <laughs> and everything happened. And we've discussed it. And I know people, like, I get it. I'm, you know, I, okay. It, it's, it's a frustrating thing when you're a fan of the team. Like, we're here to help through that. Like, we're, we're, we're all here to help. Okay. Here's how, here's how I would suggest helping. There's a saying we use in our house with my daughters. Something is not bringing you joy. It needs to go away. Okay. <laughs> I, I hope for everyone that is screaming in all caps, fire him, fire him, fire him into the live stream, that this helps you in whatever way. I do. I hope it does. But if it's not helping, if, that's, if it's taking you to the point of rage, where, honey, I'm going on the live stream, right? If it's taking you to that point. <laughs> Just back off of it for a little bit, maybe. It's a football game, okay? It's okay. So it's, I would just, I would just, that's what I, that's what I use with my daughters, and 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 it's a life philosophy for me. Uh, and so, if if it's taking you, if it's if you feel like you're going too far to the point of rage, try backing off of it just for a little bit and coming back tomorrow. <laughs> if, if you could truly remove things from your life that don't bring you joy, it would be such a wonderful life. Yeah, <laughs> you can, Jay. Some, uh, I don't gonna, know. I mean, I'm going to go infomercial with you here. Jay, you can do it. <laughs> you can take the things that are not bringing you joy, and you can take them out of your life. Sorry, you're still going to have to do this podcast and hang out with me. <laughs> but the rest of it, you can, unless uh, except being you know on the Bengals beat and doing your job. But you can do it. You can do it. It's it's nothing work related. It's other things, and I, I guess I can remove. I can I can't remove those things from the planet. But you're right. I can re- I can remove them from my life. From your life, that's right. Uh, so that's just that was just my thought watching the live stream unfold yesterday. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's uh, drop into some listener questions. Thanks everybody that has been watching on YouTube. We have a few people that have dropped questions onto Twitter and email. So I'm going to run through a couple here. Um, this one, first one from at water blue on Twitter. Uh, what's the most important thing the team needs to change to turn things around? If you could pick just one. Yeah, that's a good question. The most important question. thing. There's um, a bunch. Yeah, there is a bunch. I mean, maybe they go hand in hand is, is, is getting a more consistent run game and starting the games faster. They're just, it, it is impressive that they've been able to erase double digit deficits in all three losses this year, but they didn't, they didn't finish the climb in any of them and, and they lost those games. And you would like, you, it's great to know you can do it when needed, but you can't make a living doing that. They, they've got to get out and, and you saw it. they, they, Build a lead against the Jets and held on. They build a lead against the Dolphins, held on. That's going to be their recipe for winning. They've, they, whether it's tearing up the script, um, who knows what it's going to take. I do think getting the running game going earlier in games, it will be a big part of that, but they've got to find a way to, to start fast more consistently. You just, you can't be playing from behind as good as Joe Burrow is at, at that. You just, you can't make a living that way. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, the first two, series don't net you anything you go the first four series you go the first half basically you know it takes you that mm-hmm. long to really get it going uh that's that's when it's a problem like it's okay to have a couple series back to you know it's okay 
And yeah, falling behind. I mean, that part it falls on a number of different people. Um, you're, I'm with you on that. If there, that would be near the top of the list. And I think this isn't a recency bias thing. I think when you really look at the difference, the way they're not able to really be given explosives, they're having to drive down the field. Their drives mm-hmm. are long drives. They're 10 to 15, 16, 17 play drives. You know, when those happen and you put seven on the boards, on the board, it's huge. It's just, and their red zone right now, you know, they're 20, they're 25th in goal to go, 19th in red zone, and 20th in touchdown percentage on drives. It's all, all, all of their efficiency ranks are right in that area that like just below average. Um, and so much of that would be helped if they could just find a way to be more efficient in red zone. And they're just, they're just really not. And it's been kind of an off and on problem for a long time now. Uh, they've got to find a way to get a higher percentage of touchdowns. If they could move, you know, into the top eight, top quadrant of the league in red zone offense, be, it would be such a game changer because of the nature of how they're being forced to drive the field this year. They just are having a lot more of those opportunities because mm-hmm. they're not catching. Like we didn't think they would 50 plus yard touchdown passes. Like that's just an unsustainable thing and teams are not going to let them do it. So when you get down there, you got to make them pay. You're going to wipe all the time off the clock. You're going to put up seven. They want to shorten the game. Well, they just shortened the game where they gave up seven. That's so much more important when you're playing this way. So to me, Red zone efficiency would be where I would start. And a lot of this stuff ties together. I mean, I think you can mm-hmm. be more efficient if you're running the ball like they were. Uh, there's a lot of different things. But to me, I I, I would start there um, for sure. Um, on, by the way, I have these. I wanted to get to them on the other side. That I tweeted this out. The defensive efficiency, the defensive numbers are really interesting. Uh, points per drive, they're fifth now. Red zone, they're eighth. Goal to go, they're fifth. Touchdown percentage for the opposing team, they're tied for first. Three and out percentage, 26th. Man, and I've never seen a set of numbers that says, Ben, don't break like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the all they are. They just give up yards and they make and they bow up and make the stop. They're, they're, they could use a few more three and outs. They could mm-hmm. use a few more where they're <clears> not giving. You know, it's like we talked about earlier how the percentages, a big part of the percentages of going forward on fourth fourth down was, well, uh, you're, you have your defense that has them pinned. Yeah, well, the defense then let them go the length of the field to get points after that. So that's an, you know, the, the no yards or yards are fine, no points is what matters. Like that's all fine and good, and you did hold them to a field goal, but those are where like that stuff needs to get buttoned up too, and then clearly the, the drives at the end of games need to get buttoned up too. For Luana Rumo was on Bengals line last night talking about exactly that, about it's all fine and good, and this has been great, but they've, they've just got to get it stopped up at the end of these games, and, and that's becoming a trend for them defensively to monitor. Uh, next question. Uh, let's go Mark D on the YouTube feed here. How much more should the Bengals lean into the shotgun run game? Glad you asked. Success rate was 32nd in the NFL before the Ravens game from Paul's article. Thank you for reading Mark, Mm -hmm. uh, but seemed to work well against the Ravens. You know, we had, we need to talk about the success of the run game and specifically gun runs, um, against Baltimore. I mean, they were almost a hundred percent gun runs. They they had only two of 
Joe Mixon's maybe one. I, I, I have the numbers on another piece of paper. Sorry, of their of their gun runs of their runs were under center. They were they were in gun all game. And they were finding success. They got success. They had been terrible. I mean, they were they were not just thirty second. They were well off thirty second yeah. in efficiency, trying to run out of shotgun. And Brian Callahan talked about how they're trying to find things. They're trying to find ways to get success running out of the shotgun. Um, understanding how it can help Burrow, this, that, and the other. And Burrow, you know, they came out and they were in gun all the whole first half, and they came out in the second half with a play under center, play action with jet motion and he throws it right to Patrick Queen and they basically didn't go back to it. You know, so yeah, I don't I don't know what happened in the conversation after that if it was don't put me under center again or if it was all right, well we're not going to do that, but that was a how did Burrow not see him? Well, he turned he he had his back turned for the first time and he looked up and threw a pass right to a guy. I I that maybe that would maybe change my opinion on it in game. Uh but and they were getting success. That was a that's a big deal. That's a big asterisk from this game to mark down. If they feel like they found a fix there, not just in the run game as a whole, but in run games, in in gun runs, in specifically, that can be a big help for their offense. Yeah, I mean, mixed in five point six. P Ryan limited sample, only three runs, but five point seven. They did a great job. And then you also have it's not a run, but they they dumped the ball to those guys on screen passes a lot too, and 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 had some success moving the ball that way. Uh, it, it was I, I, it would be interesting. Maybe that's something we need to ask Joe tomorrow because it it was a very short answer about Patrick Queen and not seeing him. I think it was a one word no. I didn't or not a, didn't it was very him. short one sentence no. I didn't see him and that's he did not elaborate at all and so I don't know if he was mad at himself for not seeing him or if he was not happy about the uh just that being under center and the way that played out but it's a good question. Um but yes, that 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 may have been the most encouraging thing that came out of that game is how they were able to run the ball finally and attack the the, the light boxes and do it out of the gun. Um uh, I wanted to thank Mark for reading. And Will J, I you need to read. Uh, you said, please ask questions offensive staff about play design, offensive construct, predictability, and mix and tipping plays with his posture. This was all in the story last mm. week, Will J. Yep. We asked and wrote about it. It's all it was all up there. We talked about how um, they were well aware of mix and tipping plays and how that was going. And it, he, this has been something that's gone on with him throughout his uh, career. And if you notice during the game specifically, they as they addressed it last week, like, hey, make sure you're sprinkling in some that are the opposite. And we wrote about mm-hmm. this last week. And sure enough, he did on Sunday where you would see some plays. He would go from up to down and they would be a run or a pass, the opposite of what the tip had been. And, you know, I think it's something they're very much aware of and obviously said, make sure that you're alternating these as it goes on because people are now aware it's out there yeah. it's on reddit okay the twitters <laughs> have seen it the reddits have seen it danger's asking us about it like let's, let's let's switch it up so um so shout out will j thank you for coming and watching but you gotta read you gotta read we did this we did this <laughs> uh all right uh willie lutz on twitter our guy willie when will the pain and suffering end is the question <laughs> willie they were just in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Thursday night football against Miami was one of the greatest atmospheres I've seen to attend as a fan in this city ever. This is not pain and suffering yet. I know like fans expectations are high. That's great. Like that is 
It's very weird for me to cover a team where fans' expectations have been high. But the pain and suffering. It's not pain and suffering. You're in a good spot. This team needs to get better. And we will continue to, you know, criticize where it needs to be criticized. But this is not pain and suffering. Last, the last home game. It's one of the greatest atmospheres I've ever seen in a game that they won. It's not pain and suffering. No. If it doesn't bring you joy. <laughs> that was bringing a lot of people joy last Thursday. No, I know. Uh, that's what it does. Not Willie. No, I, I th- he may have been. He may have been feeling the joy. Just, I just think our, our, our the, the, the memories are, the, the, the short-term memory is, uh, it's hard. It's a, it is a long season, and and I let me let me drop this one on you here. And I just I just think it's easy through five games to get bogged down. I tweeted this yesterday. Looked up all the teams last year that were two and three because we talked about, you know, we talk about long seasons, and you know you're like, well, this is um. Now you have 17 games. You have the extra playoff spot. It does change things. Last so last year, the first year with the extra game and extra playoff spot, uh, nine teams started two and three. Five of the nine made the playoffs. Three finished with double-digit wins. Two were in the conference championship game. That includes the Chiefs and the 49ers, who both were eyelashes away from being the Super Bowl matchup. This is not us saying that this team is great and going to be that. This is a way of saying... It is a long season, and no matter where you feel like you're at now, there's plenty of game ahead and reason to believe that things can be fine. Um, keep that in mind. Uh, run, pass, or boot recap. How'd we do last week, Jay? Uh, not well. Um, not well? <laughs> we did not. Uh, the run, pass, or boot was Joe Mixon under three yards per carry, three, three to four, or over four, and... I ran with three to four. You ran with less than three. We both booted more than four. And as I said earlier, he was 5.6. So uh been a long time since we both did not see that coming. I cannot no. say I saw that development coming, that they would get the run game going like that and still struggle offensively to put up <laughs> enough points to win, you know. Um but yeah, I, I, a, a massive bright spot that I think you could see them building on. Uh, is is that that run game? Uh, go ahead, Jay. No, that was I, I mean, that was it. I just did not see it coming. I I was a little more optimistic than you, saying three to you four, are. because I I did think we were going to see some improvement. But to to think that he would go over, I mean, we didn't think he would go over four, and he went over five at five point six. Yeah. I, um, there there is a lot to be encouraged by there. Yeah. Uh, Growler bet recap. Uh, we had the. Growler bet in honor of our friend Butch Hobson, uh, which was Lamar versus Jamar. Uh, and it was Lamar Jackson rushing yards versus Jamar Chase receiving yards. What would be the differential? That ended up being Lamar with 58 as he got unlocked right at the end, just when the Bengals couldn't have it. Uh, and Jamar ended up with 50. So Lamar Jackson plus eight was the number and congratulations to r dot gutter you were so close <laughs> so close you had 11 for lamar not quite close enough 
No beer for you. Uh, we we are sorry, but thank you for participating. Good luck next week. Uh, also, we had a secondary Bengals growler bet. It was the can you predict the Nelly set list bet. Nelly, halftime performer, came out. Nobody had it. There were only a few people that were willing to go in on the Nelly set list bet. So shout out to those of you who were like, I'm, I'm giving it a run. Okay. It went country grammar, ride with me, cruise, little bit with the, the surprising Florida Georgia line songs going back to back. Uh, and then hot and her with the Ray Lewis appearance was the Nelly set list from halftime. Um, a few a few surprising omissions, but and country grammar was about twelve seconds long. Yeah. It and was. then you moved on to ride with me. And uh so that was that was your your Nelly set list. Thanks to everyone for participating. Uh no word on who would possibly be performing at halftime in New Orleans. Uh although I could go for like some kind of second line and be cool with me because I'll be in the New Orleans spirit all weekend. Very, very excited. We're gonna get much more into that as the week goes on on thursday we're gonna have our good friend who covers lsu who you've heard on the podcast before brody miller is going to join us so we'll have him uh on thursday and so much more about a ton of storylines this week uh with uh reunions burrow chase going back uh to louisiana von bell trey hendrickson eli apple uh andy dalton Yes. Uh, I mean, we've, we've got it all row. this week. We've got <laughs> it all this week. So make sure you keep it locked. We will be back. Thanks, everybody, for listening, asking questions, everything else. Have a good one. Everybody.